You're listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. Forgiveness is very much akin to loving your neighbor as yourself and loving, God, lo- loving the Lord your God, loving your neighbor as yourself. You, you don't want to go to hell, do you? You don't want to go to hell, so why would you condemn, some, condemn somebody else to it? Father, we thank you today for all good things. Pray, Lord, that you'd be with the boys and Joanne as they uh, go downstairs for Sunday school. Lord, anoint Joanne to teach. And Lord, anoint the boys' heart to hear what you have to say in their lives, to apply that which is taught. Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Boys may be dismissed for Sunday school. Well, good morning. God is good even in the hot weather, amen? Now, turn with me, if you will, Romans chapter 4. And in this beginning chapter, I'm going to be looking at the example of Abraham to us today. A lot of people would say that Abraham's uh, sacrifice and example is for then and not for now. He's part of the Old Testament, therefore, we don't have to worry about it, but not according to the Scripture. I just remembered something. Are we all at chapter 4 of Romans? All right. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, according to the flesh, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to him who works wages are not given as a gift, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Even David describes the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness without works. Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does the blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? 
We are saying that faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of, of the faith that he had, he had while being, being uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all those who believe, through, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who are not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which has, had while, which has had while still being uncircumcised. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, the, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, to have, help us have faith, Lord, in you. Help us to know your ways and help us to grow in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Abraham, Paul brings out Abraham's example as something that is applicable to everyone. Abraham's life is applicable to everyone. Abraham was of the old covenant. Abraham did not have... Jesus Christ dying on the cross and thereby imputing his blood as a perpetuation for sin. Abraham didn't have that. But Paul is saying here that Abraham was found righteous by following God. By worshiping God. He was circumcised in the heart. Circumcised of the heart, spiritually speaking. As well as circumcised naturally. To that, he could be the example to everyone. Paul's treatise here in this section, he's laying out the, and proving the fact that Abraham's example is for today. Slapping in the face those that today would say that the Old Testament is not for today. The Old Testament is for today. God is for today. And God is moving and directing today. He's not just up here making sure that things go well. He's also moving and directing us in our life. He brings it up here in chapter 4, and he says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, according to the flesh, has found? What has he found according to the flesh? Well, physical circumcision through the flesh. That was their way of justifying as being part of Israel. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Abraham never did anything uh, for the work's benefit. He didn't have anything to boast about because he did what God wanted out of love for God, not out of, I hope God sees this and hope I get, I'm okay with God for doing it. He did it out of love for God. Abraham believed God and was credited him to righteousness. That's what he did. That was his work. 
you know, the works part of it. He believed God, which then Paul, as he says in Ephesians, faith comes, or he says, uh, we are saved through faith, not by works. So his works, so to speak, was the action of believing God for what God was saying. That was his works, which was brought about by what? Faith. He had faith in God, thereby believing God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And as we believe God and as we trust God, what happens to our faith? Does it diminish or does it grow? It grows. When we trust God, when we, when we turn from our old ways of thinking, and believe me, we have trouble with that. Some of us, most of us probably, have trouble with thinking, this is how it should be or this is how I'm going to react. But then God says, this is how you should react. This is how you should be. And the more we turn away from this way of thinking and turn to God, our faith grows. It's kind of like, for a natural example, if you want to grow stronger, you have to do something about that naturally. If you want to have more muscle, you have to work your muscles, and your muscles grow. If you want to get rid of the, you know, when you wave twice, when you do this, you know, if you want to get rid of that, you have to work your arms in order to tone those muscles and to lose that extra whatever at the bottom. But it takes work. It takes work. Faith takes work. Believing God takes work. See, we tend to believe things as long as they coincide with our mindset. We believe God if God will do what I want. For an example, there's many people here that, like your friend, your, your, I believe it's your friend that needs the job, right? If she believes God to give her the job, then she'll believe God. Just saying as an example, I'm not using her as a, as a person, this is how she believes, but normally we would say, well, I'll believe God if he gives me a job, but if he doesn't give me a job, I'm not going to believe in him. Or if he heals my family member, I'll believe him, but if he doesn't, then he obviously wasn't worthy of my faith, right? That's what a lot of people think. But sometimes in those times when God answers the way God wants to answer, we still have to believe, and that's the ex exercising of faith. That's the, that's the exercising of faith. Maybe God has something else in store. Maybe God has another chapter in your life, but that's still the exercising of faith. Abraham, all he had to go on was what he knew. That was it. He didn't have... He didn't have the Old Testament. He wrote part of the Old Testament, the first five books. So he didn't have anything to go on except what God gave him. Right? He had, he had the sacrifices and those kinds of things. And he, had to, he went on by that. But God shown faith. He believed God and exercised his faith. And thereby... 
He was credited to him as righteousness. And it, it speaks to us too. We get so caught up in doing things. We get caught up in this idea and this mindset that we have to do something in order to earn God's favor. Works-based. You know, we have to um, do this kind of thing, do this kind of ministry, or do this kind of uh, work for God, work for the church, or work for ministry, or work for whatever, uh, purely in the hopes that God will see that we're okay and we'll be okay with God. That's not what God calls us to. Yes, we are to do those things. We are to work for ministries. We are to do those kinds of things. But the motivation must be different. Abraham's motivation was different than just, I'm going to do this for the works part of it. I'm going to do it because I love God. He did it because he loved God, and it was appointed him as righteousness. Why do we do what we do? We ask that quite a bit. What's our motivation? We are called to do things. We're called to witness. We're called to be uh, for things for God, people for God, people of God, to share God's love. We're called to do those things. Why do we do them? Do we do them because, oh, look at me. I'm up in the front behind the lectern. You better listen to me, by golly. I'm up here and you're down there. Is that really what we're supposed to be doing? One thing that really, really drives me crazy, and, I, and I, I've said this before, I think. Maybe I said it on Sunday night. I don't know, but I've said it before, is when you go to churches and you're a new person and you're not part of the original group, so therefore you're treated differently because you're not part of the original group. As though the original group is here and you're down here because you're not part of the original group. That's a self-righteous type of thinking. And Abraham wasn't that way. That type of thinking is, well, we've done all of this. This is what we have done. Therefore, we're higher up in God than you are because you haven't done this yet. That's, that's a works-based system. Abraham was not doing that. Abraham believed God, and God accredited him as righteousness. Just had to believe and act. Isn't that what we're called to do? Believe and act that which way God wants us to believe and act? Don't believe the way I believe. Don't believe the way your friends believe or don't believe the way your spouse believe. Believe the way God wants you to believe and then act upon that. My kids believe, are going to end up believing the way they want to believe about God based upon what I've taught them and we've taught them, but their own belief will be their own belief. Believe what we are, you are to want, the way God wants you to believe based upon his word, based upon your time spent with God. That's why Abraham believed the way he believed, because it was based upon his time spent with God. Okay? Don't believe something because somebody else said you should. Too many times that happens. That happened in the desert, remember? Abraham took too long on the, on the mountain, so by golly, we're going to worship our own God, remember? 
They wanted their own God. They all fell into believing the way they all wanted to believe. And it wasn't the way God wanted it, but they did it anyway. What happened? Some of them, later on in the book of Exodus and Numbers, got swallowed up by the earth or got, or got bitten by snakes or, or whatever the case because they didn't follow God. Let's not be that type of people. Let's be righteous before God, just believing God. Now to him that works wages... Now, to him that works, wages are not given as a gift, but as a debt. If you work a job, I used to work a job. Amy works a job. We all work jobs. Is that a gift for your employer to say, here's your check? Actually, they owe you that. Because your time is just as important as theirs. So Paul is saying it is not a gift, it is a debt. But it says, to him who, de who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the, justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So if we are thinking, okay, I'm going to work this way for God, and I'm, God now owes me something, God doesn't owe us a debt. We're the one that owes God a debt. We're the ones that owe God something. God doesn't owe us anything. And thereby, if we're in the works-based system where I'm going to do that which I'm going to do and then God owes me this, this forgiveness or this absolution or whatever the case, God doesn't owe us anything. And we're in wrong heart, wrong spirit. But he says that if we work out of love, or it says, he says, but him who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. So if the work we do is based upon belief and not a debt being paid from God, then that is credited to us as righteousness. Does it make sense, that what I'm saying? We're to work for God out of love for God. That's what Abraham did. He worked for God out of love for God. He almost sacrificed his only son out of love for God. If it were me, I couldn't have done it. I probably wouldn't have done it. But Abraham did it out of love for God. Faith. That's why he's credited his righteousness to him. Belief and faith. Do we have that kind of belief and faith in God? I'd like to say that I do. But I think I can grow. I think we can all grow in that faith and belief in God. And I think it's important to try to grow. It's important to move beyond where we are. It's important to be better tomorrow than we are today. It's important for those things. We all need to grow in faith and belief in God. I don't think Abraham became to the place where he thought, well, I'm okay with God now. I'm not going to do anything anymore. I don't think that's what Abraham did. I think Abraham grew in his grace and knowledge of God. As Peter says, Second Peter. He goes on. 
Even David describes the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness without works. In other words, just believe. Just believe. And if God directs you to do something, then you do it. You don't do something and say, well, I hope, hope God sees this. For me, one for me, God, you hope you saw that. See that? See that? No, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Blessed are those, it sounds like what we talked about this morning in Sunday school, right? Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall impute, who not, shall not impute sin. So blessed are those who not only are imputed as righteousness, but are forgiven. Blessed are those who are forgiven. What's Jesus say? If you don't forgive man, I, my Father won't forgive you. So we're to show that forgiveness. David said, blessed is the man who's forgiven. How do we get forgiven? Well, we ask for forgiveness, but then to keep the forgiveness, we then have to show forgiveness. Isn't that right? I'm forgiven, therefore you're not. Nananny boo boo. That's not how that works. I'm forgiven. You messed with me. You did me wrong. I'm forgiven. I am commanded by God to forgive you, although it's hard, and it's hard. It is hard to forgive someone for doing you wrong when you've done nothing wrong. That's a hard thing to do. I'd be a liar if I said, oh, that's easy. It's not. Because you have all these feelings of being wronged. You have all these feelings of, of adversity toward this person. You were wronged, therefore you feel hurt. And for God to say, forgive them, how dare he, right? Well, we hurt God pretty good. We hurt God pretty good when we fell and were born into sin. We hurt God pretty good. God had to give the ultimate sacrifice of his son. He's not asking us that. But yeah, we have to forgive. How dare he? That's what it seems like, doesn't it? But yeah, we have to. Or he won't forgive us. When we stand before God, stand before the Lord at the judgment seat, he's gonna say, get he's gonna say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you, because you didn't forgive. You didn't forgive. Forgiveness is hard. Very hard. Especially when we're the ones being wronged. That's a hard thing to do. But yeah, we're called to do it. We're called to do it. You might be going through something right now. You might be thinking of somebody right now who's just done you wrong. You need to forgive them. You need to forgive them. And it's not one of those things. And I'm going to tell you this. I struggled with this. And I'll tell you this thing here. I struggled with the idea of going before that person asking for forgiveness. That's when you really mean it. You can say, oh, Lord, I, I do forgive them, God, but I'm not going to tell them. Is that still forgiveness? No. 
getting forgiveness and receiving forgi- receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness requires two parties to be put together and to talk and to ask for forgiveness. That's why when we pray to be born again, we say we, we, we go before God and we ask God to forgive us. So when you go before someone and you want to f- want forgiveness from someone or you need to forgive someone, you have to go before that person and have that conversation. I felt this way about you. I need to ask you for forgiveness. And hopefully that conversation ends up in a positive note and not a negative one. Being forgiven. God desires for us to be forgiven. And he desires for us to forgive. If you don't believe me, there's a great VeggieTales video about it. I've got all of them, I know. It's where I got my theology degree. No, I'm, I'm joking. But I will tell you, I will tell you, forgiveness is very much akin to loving your neighbor as yourself and loving, God, lo- loving the Lord your God, loving your neighbor as yourself. You, you don't want to go to hell, do you? You don't want to go to hell, so why would you condemn, some, condemn somebody else to it? Are you loving them like you love yourself if you allow them to do that? No. Verse 9, he says, Does this blessedness then come upon the, the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? Here's where we get into the point where Abraham was the example for all of us. That's why God told him he would be the father of many nations, not just Israel. He would be the father of many nations because his example of righteousness by, impute, by, by imputation of God, by his actions, is an example to those who are not circumcised, the born-again believer, the predecessor of Paul's ministry. What was Paul's ministry? Paul's ministry was to anyone who was not an Israelite, who was not Jewish. All those people, those people were circumcised, right? Or they should have been, because they're Jewish. So Abraham is the predecessor to Paul's ministry by the example Because Paul's ministry was the ministry to the Gentiles. And so Abraham was the example for the Jewish people and the Gentile of how to be before God, how to act before God. You see? He says, we are saying that faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was he credited when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? In both. For in the time that he was for the time that he was living in, it was part of the law to be circumcised. Therefore he was following the law in that. Therefore in that made him right with God. But then he believed God, and so then he was circumcised in heart, so then that made him right with God according to the new covenant as well as the old covenant. Does that make sense? So he's an example of for us today as well as an example for the first century church and the Jewish people today. He's an example. 
He says, not only in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith that he had while being uncircumcised, so that he, so that he might be, all, be the father of all who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who are not of the circumcision only, but, also, but who also walk in the steps of of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while still being uncircumcised. So everyone, Abraham is the example. Okay, the whole thing of this is Abraham is the example for all of us. He's the example for the old covenant being circumcised in following the law, right? And he's the example for the new covenant because he believed God without works. Therefore, he was, on, he was circumcised in heart. Therefore, he's an example of the new covenant belief system and the old covenant belief system. He's the example for all here in the scripture. So let's be like Abraham, Right? Let's be like Abraham. Let's believe God fully. Fully. Let's understand God fully. How do we understand God? Somebody tell me. I'm not going to say it. Somebody tell me. How do we know who God is? Read the Bible. How else? Pray. How else? Spend time with other believers and faith. That grows faith. All of that grows faith. All of that grows faith. Spending time with God in his word, spending time with God in prayer, spending time with God amongst his people. That all grows faith. That's how we be like Abraham, if that's grammatically correct. That's how we be like Abraham, okay? That's why I always say, you know, that's why I say, come to Sunday school. Everyone needs to come to Sunday school. Well, I don't like to get up that early. Well, too bad. I get up at almost, now in the summer, 6 o'clock in the morning, but usually during the school year, it's 5.30, 5, 5.15, I get up 6 o'clock on Sunday morning, get a shower, get cleaned up, and get to church by 9.30, 9.35 at the latest. Last week was an exception. But come to Sunday school. I've got the farthest to travel so we can all make it to Sunday school. We can all make it to Sunday school. Why would I say come to Sunday school? Well, because there is conversation that happens in Sunday school that helps us to grow. Our Sunday school lesson this morning was out of the Beatitudes. That's why I said, doesn't this sound familiar from Sunday school? If you weren't here, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have got that. But it was out of the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are a good lesson. Sermon on the Mount is a good lesson for us. But the conversations that are had during Sunday school are very, very good. They're very, very good. I learned some things. Believe it or not, I am not the smartest person in the world. Just ask anybody, they'll tell you. But understand that 
coming to Sunday school helps you to grow in that grace and knowledge and faith because you're getting some teaching as well as some preaching. Okay? And that should complement the rest of your week. How many of us go to Wednesday night? Besides, I don't because I have kids, but how, how many of us go to Wednesday nights? You and Lois and Ralph and Sam, right? Does Sam take part in Wednesday night? Sam, Sam, Kayla, and John. See, those are kinds of things, too, that if you're able to do that, do that. Do that as well. Spend time with God. Get to know God. Get to understand him in his word. That's how we do it. That's how we do this. That's what God wants. He doesn't want us to be, you leave the church on Sunday, after, Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, whichever. It's going to still Sunday morning. And you forget what you learn. You're to apply it and to add to it and to move forward in it, right? Does it make sense? Don't forget, speaking of that, tonight, 730 Bible study, if you're able. If you're not able on Facebook, it is on YouTube the next day. Um, so you can take part in that. So, and also before I do pray, the prayer requests that are shared here in the morning, I share them at night. Is that okay with everyone? Okay, because I want to make sure that that's okay to do that because there are, there are some that would prefer not and other, and other ministries I've been, been associated with. So I want to always make sure that that is the case. So, does this all make sense? So, let's go before the Lord in prayer. You said something about Brittany's arm before we pray. Isn't she doing better? Okay, so she's better then? Okay. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer and we'll remember to lift that up as well. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, to help us today to um, just apply these things to our heart. It's not difficult. It's just difficult to make ourselves do it. Father, I just pray that you give us this ability to put aside our desire, our own selfish desire, and take up our desire to learn of you. Help us to have a heart for your word. Help us to have a heart for your people. Help us have a heart for time spent with you. Father, help us to grow in you. Help us to be people of faith, to be people of the Bible, to be people of prayer, and Lord, minister to us through it all. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you touched Brittany's arm and give you praise for that. Ask that you would continue to minister to her as well. And Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you do those two things... You have a good life. Trust and obey. That's basically 
I don't know if you picked that up in just during the sermon, but that's basically the two things of that scripture of Abraham's example, trust and obey. That's basically what he did. And that's why it was credited to him as righteousness. Amen? Do that this week. Figure out a way for you to go before God, and if you need to grow in the trusting and obeying of God, I want you to try to grow in that. We all need to grow, but we all need to be reminded to grow. The only thing that don't need to be reminded to grow, just so you know, is weeds. They don't need to be reminded to grow. But we need to be reminded to grow. By trusting and obeying God, getting in His Word, get in your Bibles, read, trust God, pray to God, and God will reward you. Amen. May you have a good week this week. God bless you. Thank you for being here. God is good even when, we're, when, when things aren't so good. God is good. We know that.